Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance. My guest today is Chris Guillebeau. He is an entrepreneur, writer, travel enthusiast, speaker, and podcaster. He has visited almost every country in the world, works independently, and motivates people to do the same and live a rewarding life by following their passion. His blog, The Art of Nonconforming, has more than 300,000 views per month. He's also a super, super longtime fan of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast and Duct Tape Marketing. He wrote that. I'm just reading what he wrote, okay? And more recently, he published his latest book, Gonzo Capitalism, How to Make Money in an Economy That Hates You. So, Chris, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's been too long. Thanks for having me back. I am a longtime fan of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast and the Duct Tape Marketing Empire. In fact, well, for, I want to start with the fact that I was feeling pretty good today, but then I learned that the economy hates me. And so I'm kind of, uh, so, so mm, tell me, I don't know that it hates you, John. I don't know that it hates you because you work for yourself yeah. and you have always been kind of on the, the forefront of helping people navigate self-employment and entrepreneurship and such. I think, you know, the subtitle of the book, how the economy hates you or how to make money in that environment I think it relates to how a lot of people are feeling resentful and critical of a system that they believe has a small number of winners and a large number of losers. A lot of young people obviously are graduating college or university with a tremendous amount of debt and not necessarily something on the other end to help pay that off. And it's not just young people, you know, it's like young people of all ages, we could say, who, you know, aren't able to afford a mortgage, who've been priced out of this economy. So there's a lot of resentment. And at the same time, there are a lot of opportunities, you know, for people to kind of do something for themselves. So I don't know that the economy hates you, but it does hate a lot of people, or at least a lot of people perceive that. Yeah. And, and so you really, I mean, I suppose the bear you are poking is a traditional go, you know, go get a job, work for a company, get a salary, hopefully climb the corporate ladder or whatever that means. I mean, is that, is that the economy mm. or that model, I guess, that you're, you're suggesting is at fault or at least that people are still pursuing that model? Well, I feel like I've been, I've been poking that bear for a while. I feel like what's different or what's new, you know, in the past few years, I feel that everything about power and money, you know, like had the dynamics of power, the perception of money, that is what has shifted for so many people. And so, you know, there's a whole like renegotiation of the employer employee contract, you know, both formally in some ways with all this increased interest in unions, but also informally just with people embracing like the great resignation and quiet quitting. There's a whole chapter in the book about people who are doing this overemployed thing where they're working multiple yeah. full-time jobs remotely without either employer knowing about it. So they are kind of like you know, taking matters into their own hands. And these are not low paid workers, just to be clear. Like these are, yeah. you know, professionals who are earning six figure incomes often more than once. Yeah. Uh, not, so not, I, not I think punching a clock for anybody. So, so exactly. That off, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think there's a lot of changes that I'm just kind of pointing to. I think the bear has been poked, whether by me or anybody else. Would you say that this is a American issue? I know you spend a lot of time in places outside of America or have, I mean, is, is that... Is that sort of a part of what's informing you in this and that you've seen it happen or you've seen it operating better in other places? That's a great question. You know, I was just in Canada all last week and uh, a lot of these issues resonate there as well. Yeah. Uh, I've done lots of travel, as mentioned. I feel like it's a global issue. You know, we're, we're so connected these days, social movements 
might start in one place, but then kind of quickly extrapolate elsewhere and such. So I don't know that I would say it's particularly American. Maybe some, in some ways it's magnified here just by population size and, you know, the number of people who are leaving in droves to do something different and such. But I think all over the world, people have interest in these kinds of things. Maybe a level of entitlement that exists here probably adds to the anxiety, perhaps. Maybe, maybe, you know, I mean, but I mean, you could, you could kind of pick at that a little bit and say, okay, it's entitlement, but is it, is it really entitlement or is it more just like a general expectation of investment? If I invest tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars in my education, is it, is it uh, reasonable, you know, to expect that I'm going to be able to use that in a, in a way that's going to hopefully pay that back at some point. And if I shouldn't, maybe I just, I should have just adjust my expectations then, but if I adjust my expectations, I should do something different. I wasn't really going to go down this path, but you've mentioned it a couple of times now. So I want to, I want to delve into that a little bit. Should we not be going to college? I mean, should we not be sending our kids to college? Oh, I mean, I think it depends on what you want to study, what you want to do in life. You know, it's not should or shouldn't, you know, I think it's like, should you blindly go to college without any other goal or path? Maybe if if that's your situation, maybe do something different, you know, take a gap year. I think that's a wonderful thing. People traveling and doing different stuff or volunteering, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities. Yeah. Well, I, I still don't know what I want to do in life, so I can't imagine that <laughs> sure. having that answer, of course. Yeah. So like all good business books, you quote Nicki Minaj, um, sure. I think, and, and, and you're specifically, I think, pointing to this novelty as currency. I wonder if you could unpack that one for us. I think the quote from Nicki Minaj is, if I'm fake, I ain't noticed because my money ain't. Right. And, you know, I think during the, the pandemic in particular, we saw, so we've talked about like power a little bit, but in the money side... You know, there was more than a trillion dollars of stimulus, you know, stimulus money. And there are all these digital currencies that we're launching all the time and people asking questions about what actually is money. You know, like, John, if you and I create our own currency and then one other person, you know, comes along and, and buys it, have we then created a market of like millions and millions of dollars worth of value? Or is that all just, you know, completely made up? And at what point does it become not made up? You know, if five people buy it, if 10 people buy it and so on. So I think a lot of people are, are thinking differently about that. So that's like, is it, you know, if I'm fake, well, I don't know, because my money is not fake, or at least it's yeah. as fake as anybody else's money. It's as real as anybody else's money. So that's some of what I'm trying to look at. So in, in some ways, you know, when I read, especially the examples of that you cite in the book of people doing some really out of the box things, I mean, it, it feels like, just uh, an amplified continuation of your art of non-conforming. I mean, you've, you've really been talking mm. about alternative ways to make a living for a long time. And a lot of them, you know, hundred dollar mm. startup. I mean, that was all about like, Hey, you don't have to go this path. You can go this path. Mm. So has something changed particularly in the last three or four years that, that really gives it the gonzo label? I think there are two things. I think number one, like the, the pace or the scale of it, has changed. Things happen quicker now. I think, you know, you and I for like, what, you know, 15 years or so, we're like building up our email lists and hopefully we got like a decent number of people on them. But now there are, you know, lots of 15 year olds who have millions of followers on TikTok and it just happens. It's just, I don't, I, you know, it just happens so quickly. I, I told the story in the book about Miss Excel. Uh, you probably know her. Her name's Kat Norton. She's selling these Microsoft Excel yeah. training yeah. courses and she's making multiple millions of dollars, you know, from these courses. And 
this has been built up in a very, very quick period of time. So, so pace and scale, I think, is quite different. And the second thing is the decentralized nature of it, or at least the ability for some things to be decentralized. So like, like I say in the book, like I've, I've been doing like e-commerce stuff for like 25 years, or at least I used to do e-commerce. And, and when I started, you know, I was like 19 years old and I thought, oh, everything is like, everything is for sale now. And this is so easy. This is like, what are, you know, free market for the whole world and such. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, it was still very centralized. You know, you still had to have like a merchant account from your bank. You had to like go through various approvals and gatekeepers and such you know, to be able to take credit cards. And so I used to say like on the internet, nobody cares if you're a teenager, but you really had to have your parents or somebody, you know, helping you gain access to things. Whereas now there's lots of networks with blockchain and other things where people can just do whatever they want. And nobody, like there isn't a, somebody that's make you know, giving approval or, you know, disapproval to certain things. And that's true across like venture capital and, and lots of other, it's true across social movements. I look at some of that in the book as well. So decentralization is the second point. So I think the, the, the cutting edge of folks that you talk about in this book and that, that I think are gonna really take this book and go, yeah, I can go do something different. I think are a lot of individuals in many cases that are just, I don't know, is exploiting the right word, <laughs> exploiting the, mm -hmm. the TikTok, you know, algorithm or universe, you know, that's out there. What can, and maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself, but what would you advise what I would call more traditional businesses or even heaven forbid mm -hmm. enterprises, you know, could learn sure. from essentially these new ways? Yeah. Well, I mean, on that ex exploiting point, I mean, I think the algorithm exploits us mostly, you know, the exploitation is going the other way around. So if somebody's able to figure out, you know, a, a tip or a trick or a hack or something that works, I think, you know, good for them. As for enterprises, I think, you know, the best enterprises are, are open to new ideas. Uh, like they have their, their mission, their mission and their vision. I think that's very important. I think it's good to not just, you know, pursue every trend or, or tangent, but at the same time, you want to recognize when the world changes, like we have to, to change. And, yeah. you know, throughout history, there've been various, you know, shifts that have endured, you know, like there's things that happen that are kind of small change, but then there's the agrarian revolution and the industrial revolution mm -hmm. and such. And so I think this is kind of like the money revolution in the sense that there is a little bit of a before and after, and you can choose to kind of remain blind to it. And people do that in, in times of change and that's fine. But I think people who really want to thrive, and again, people can be leaders of an, of an enterprise an organization or a company, then they are kind of saying, okay, what are the skills I need to build for this new, new economy? You know, I mean, AI is changing everything and, and, you know, we don't want to drop everything in our business to focus on the latest thing. Cause it could end up just being like the metaverse, but I don't know. I think, I think five years from now, it, you know, things are going to be quite different than they are now. And so you want to adapt to that. You want to, yeah. you want to be uh, open. I do have some NFTs I'd like to sell you. Do you really? Are they 95% <laughs> off now? So, so that does beg the question because a lot of people jump in. They, I don't know if we're going to call them early movers or whatever they are, but you know, so, NFT five years ago, three years ago, mm -hmm. you know, you couldn't talk to somebody without that being, then it was crypto. Right. You, know, you already dropped right. AI sure. the conversation. So do you run the risk or does it matter of, you know, you know, I already mentioned novelty as currency. A lot of these ideas mm -hmm. are novelty that will go away. Sure. So do we sure. run the risk of chasing after the next thing instead of building something that maybe has some measure of legacy? Sure. Yeah, no, it's great. I think a couple of things, you know, so most of my work is for individuals, you know, it's not for companies. I'm always thinking about that person out yeah. there. And if you, if you know your life mission, first of all, if you like, this is, I have great clarity on what I 
you know, what I'm supposed to do and build, then I think you shouldn't listen to anybody or pay attention to anything. Like just go and do that thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, a lot of people are not in that place and it takes a long time to come to that place. And so I think it's perfectly reasonable to like experiment and do different stuff. I also think like with some of the stories in the book, like there's a story of the guy who's a sleep fluencer and he gets paid to, to sleep or actually not sleep because people are like waking him up throughout the night. This is like being streamed on Twitch and, and he's got this bedroom that he's hooked up with all these digital distractions. You know, he's making $50,000 a month doing this. So is he going to be doing it for the rest of his life? Probably not. But number one, it's $50,000 a month. He's this young guy from Australia. That's pretty cool. Number two, you know, this, this, it's a crazy story. He's going to have the story for the rest of his life. If he stops doing it tomorrow, he's got this story. He's built these skills. He's learned about streaming. He's learned how to build this whole thing where lights and sirens are attached to talk transactions and things. The skills that you acquire now, the foundation you build is going to be relevant. It is going to be relevant for whatever happens next. Yeah, that's a really great point. I mean, there's learning in everything that we do, isn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the learning process is just as valuable as whatever the outcome is. Chris, many, in many ways, your gonzo capitalism play kind of started with your blog and with writing, I think. And, and content is still today. Obviously, books you know, are a big part of it. Content today is still a big part of yours. Do you think content is one of those plays that, you know, really does have a very, very long life that, that it's not, it's certainly not over. It's not done. It's still something someone mm. could jump into today. Man, I hope so, John. I mean, cause that's my <laughs> world. That's our world, right? You know, I mean, I'm kind of biased there because that's what I, I want to write books and, you know, make the podcast. And I mean, that to me is a, I, I still think that valuable messages are worth sharing and can reach an audience for sure. If somebody were going to jump into it, I mean, a lot of times people, you know, we'll say, well, you got in like when it was hot thing mm. and you built your, your audience, you know, but if I wanted to start today, yeah. what would I have to do? Yeah. I mean, I guess I feel like on that point, everything I've started, I always felt like I was late. You know, yeah. when I started blogging, I thought I was really late because I saw a bunch of people that had been doing it before me. And mm. when I started the podcast or the podcast, there's just one of them. Like I started six years ago and I, I was like, man, I'm really, really late for the podcast world. Guys like you had been doing it for a long time. So I, I'm not too convinced by the, you know, yeah, too yeah. late kind of argument. But as for starting now, I guess I'm not sure if it's any different. It's it's not so much like capitalizing on being early with something. It's what do you hope to do that's hopefully a little bit different than somebody else? And, and at least who do you hope to help with it? What is the message and what kind of clarity can you offer? You write about gamers, learning digital currency, you know, the whole virtual reality world. Is there... You know, if I'm if I'm looking for ideas that are going to be the next whatever big uh -huh. thing, you know, where do you where do you recommend people go, or how do they kind of get uh -huh. exposure to some creative ideas like that? Yeah, so they start with their own skills, like start with your own skills, your own set of knowledge, like make a list of not just things that you're excited about or passionate about, but things that you're good at, things that you have knowledge in. Try to look for some things that are a little bit lesser known. Don't just think about your formal education, your traditional career path, think about, you know, whatever else it could be. And so for video games, there's a whole chapter in the book about blockchain video games. I kind of got immersed into this world and spent a lot of time like buying different gaming assets. There's, there's this whole world now where the, there are video games that are also financial marketplaces. So it's, it's a game in the sense that you're competing against other players, but you're also investing real money. And so, you know, once you have your, your skills and your talents, then it's like, what is out there? You know, what, what is out there that I could find? Reddit is a great source of that. Look at, look at Reddit, look at other networks. One of the categories you write about in this book that I found kind of fascinating is something you call prediction markets. Kind of talk, yeah. talk about that one, but then also maybe like, you know, how would 
Again, I mm-hmm. can't call them traditional businesses. I'm not sure what else sure. to call them. But how would how would businesses take a take a little bit of a cue from the folks that are playing in that market? So I experimented a lot for this book. Each chapter of the book is kind of a, an experiment and, and what happened, how much money was involved and what the outcome was and such. I won some, I lost some. And one of the things I did was, was this world of prediction markets where people can bet on anything. So everybody knows about the stock market. They know you can bet on sports, but you can also bet on Drake's next album on how many streams it's going to get. I bet on the TSA checkpoint line, like how many people are going to go through security tomorrow or whatever day. I bet on Britney Spears' conservatorship you know, case. I made $200 off that. So all kinds of things. If you want to get into it, there's a lot of platforms. One is called PredictIt, PredictIt.org. Another one's called Kalshi, K-A-L-S-H-I, K-A-L-S-H-I, Polymarket. There's a few different ones. Uh, you can kind of go and experiment. Uh, as for, for traditional businesses, I don't know. I think this is just something to be aware of that in the future, the very near future, anyone, anywhere will be able to bet on anything. And that is different than, you know, than it's ever been before. There's always been a lot of regulation about that. And so that could affect all sorts of different events. Yeah. I, you know, growing up in the age when Pete Rose got thrown out of baseball for betting on games now and and like, (laughs) that's the, you know, Bangs is now the number one sponsor of every sport. It's crazy. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So, so I know you have a ton of stories in here and this is always an unfair question, but do you have a favorite Mm. that you illustrate in the book? Oh, that's good. That's good. Favorite uh, story. Well, I always like these like wild and wacky ones. There's a story of a British teenager who made $400,000 naming Chinese babies. She was giving English, English names, you know, to Chinese parents. And she, her goal was to pay for university. And obviously she covered that in a little bit more. So there's a lot of stories that are kind of like one-offs. But I guess there's also a chapter about online education um, of just maybe more normal people who are just like, they had an idea. They kind of got good at something. Uh, there's a woman named Winnie who taught like outdoor education, like survival skills and such. She got famous from being on, on like a reality TV show, but then she really, she got a little bit of famous, but then she really built a, a sustainable business around teaching women and others, but particularly women, these, these outdoor survival skills. And so I thought that was really interesting. Well, Chris, it was uh, great having you stop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. You want to tell people where they can... F- connect with you if they like, or, or obviously find a copy of Gonzo Capitalism. Yeah, John, thank you so much. It's been too long and I'm really glad to come back. So it's Chris Gillibo, chrisgillibo.com, 193 countries on Instagram, or the podcast is called Side Hustle School. Yeah. And don't worry about spelling Gillibo. We will have for you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, it was great catching up with you and hopefully we'll run it to you one of these days soon out there on the road. Okay. I look forward to it. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. 